0: All right, now for our second message today, uh, Mr. Lawrence Gregory, The Two Sons. Today I'm going to present two parables we are very familiar with. Dake's. Annotated Bible lists 26 parables in the Old Testament and 70 parables in the New Testament. And Cruden's Concordance lists 23 references to two sons. That's the subject of today's message. Two parables of Jesus about two sons. Now, parables illustrate truths. Comparisons. Now, sometimes they cover the truth to the unconverted, but the stories are always true, generating questions and interest in the points that they make. Since Jesus used parables so much, especially the two that we're going to look at today, we need to remember a few things about him. One, his character and life as portrayed in the Old Testament from his birth to his death. Many references. Two, his character and life as portrayed in the New Testament by what he said and did. And then three, a reference to him by what others said about him, and we have those references in the scriptures. Of course, all this together presents him to us as a very wonderful person, a perfect being, worthy of our attention, our respect, our worship, our love, our obedience. In all the things that he said and did, he left us a tremendous example, and we know to study the life of Jesus takes many years and many of us have been involved in this way of life for many years and we've been studying many things about Jesus Christ now there were a few things that he uh, used a few expressions that he had uh, like uh, one was uh, he that has ears to hear let him hear and another one that's catchy was uh, what do you think to stimulate, and, and sometimes he would say, how do you think? To stimulate our thinking about what he was saying. So, we have a couple of parables today that I'm going to look at. And uh, I'm going to ask that question that he asked. Beginning in Matthew, the 21st chapter, verse 28. I'm going to read a few verses here. Verse 28 through 32 just to get the context of what he was saying. But what think you? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them, too, did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not, but publicans And the harlots believed him, and you, when you had seen it, repented not afterward that you might believe him. And so we have this first parable here of the two sons. Now let's look at uh, what uh, we have here in the first son. Just analyze just a little bit. The first son, kind of rebellious and hard-headed and stubborn and resistant... Uh, Refused, kind of self-willed. He said, I go not. No. Just answered him. But then, it says, he was willing and he repented and he went. And uh, he accomplished, he did the father's will. Now notice the second son. The second son was very respectful and very haughty and said, I go, sir. But he went not. So then Jesus' question to us is, and we have to consider, uh, what do we think about this? And his point was, to the two sons, a comparison. Notice how much he emphasizes here, and we'll get to this a little later. The father, and his question, and his conduct, and his uh, attitude that he had toward these two different attitudes that are presented by the uh, two sons. We know that it's better to be positive and respectful and obedient and learning and loving and obediently if God tells us to do something. And notice the emphasis was go and work in my vineyard. And so we could analyze this about what kind of work has God called us to do and what is his vineyard, the vineyard of Israel and the vineyard of the church and the work and what has he called us to do. And are we doing that or are we putting it off or are we refusing or are we saying... Yes, sir, I'm going, but we're not going. Or are we saying originally, you know, I'm not going to do that. But then we come to ourselves and we change and we uh, go and do that. Now, let's, let's turn to the second parable here. And that's in Luke, the 15th chapter. And uh, this parable uh, that we're looking at is uh, verse uh, 11 through 32. Now, this is about a year later. And Jesus is expanding on this concept. Now he used many parables in teaching as we saw to get his point across and to sometimes hide the meaning from the unconverted and to illustrate truths, uh, comparisons, contrasts of uh, between different things so that we could learn from that. Now, uh, in this parable here, he expands it and he's talking here as we begin in verse 11. And we'll come back later and see uh, why and, and some of the other things. But I want to read... Um, a few verses here, uh, 12 through uh, 24. And he said in verse 11, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided into them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far country, And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country. And he sent him into his his field to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Now notice he says here is his prepared speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me is one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, now here's his prepared speech. Father, just repeating from back up, uh, beginning there in uh, uh, verse uh, uh, 18 and 19. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his son, now now notice, he left off. Either he was interrupted, or he left it off. But part of his prepared speech, we see up earlier, was that uh, he said, uh, I'm no more worthy to be called uh, your son, but make me as one of your hired servants. Make me as one of your hired servants. But the father didn't hear that. He either didn't say it or the father interrupted him. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this thy son was dead and is alive. And he was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Now, this parable uh, often is referred to as the prodigal son. And there's two sons in here. We'll see in a moment the contrast between the two. But notice the parable probably should be addressed more to the father. Because notice all the emphasis on the father. And how he comes and how he shines in all of this. And his attitude consistently throughout this and his welcoming and his love toward these two sons. Now, let's uh, uh, notice here first, the parable is called the younger son, now we're going to see the elder son. And Jesus has both of these in one parable, a longer uh, expression, and he has a purpose and a reason behind this, and uh, we'll, we'll see uh, some of the things so, First, uh, a few things about the first uh, son, the younger son. And we've all heard this uh, phrase before, better late than never. Better late than never. The first son was lost, wasteful, worldly, selfish, greedy, carnal. Then at a low point of his life, he came to himself and he began to remember good things about God and the father and home life and how it was and he determined to go back. Now, isn't that kind of a truism of many of us in our life? We've had to be knocked down to the very bottom, the very hardness of life to experience the reality. Notice he couldn't even, uh, the farmer, the guy that he hired himself out didn't even give him food fit to eat. He just gave him what he gave to the swine, the old cast offs. and he was hungry. And how many of us have experienced really a low point in our life and then we came to ourselves through repentance and we remembered God and we begin to seek after him and go back. Now notice how God is. God is looking. He's, he's, he knows everything about us already. And he's watching and he's longing for us to return to him. And the father ran to him. Notice he ran out and he grabbed him and he kissed him and he loved him and he didn't even hear the rest of the story. He welcomed him back and he welcomed him and gave a good big party and gave him food and clothing and a ring and an inheritance. Now, remember the son had got his inheritance that, uh, and the firstborn son, we think uh, he was uh, uh, the younger son. He wasn't the elder, so he wouldn't have had a double portion because the elder son would have had a double portion. But the younger son had some inheritance coming to him from the father. But the father gave him earlier, gave him opportunity, blessings. But he squandered it and he wasted it and he got rid of all of it. And now he's come back and the father, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. So they had a party and these friends and family and... They were so happy to see him back and welcome him back. How many of us would welcome and appreciate the conversion of Adolf Hitler? Of some of these terrorists and murderers and people that we could list through history that are vile, evil people? many of those, I don't know that all of those that I've listed, but many of them will be in the kingdom. How many of us are going to welcome them, or going to exclude them, and are going to appreciate God's mercy and His forgiveness and His love on all of His sons that have gone wayward, but then He, they come to themselves and they repent. In the time ahead, and the future, we know they're going to have, we could look now and say at their life, well, they've squandered and wasted, but We know God's going to give them an opportunity to have a really opportunity to hear and to know the truth. So how many of them are going to be able to... uh, Thank you. How many of them are going to be able to really appreciate the truth and the opportunity that they're given? Now, let's uh, let's progress and go on here in uh, verse uh, 25. Now, his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, the elder son, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what do these things meant? And he said to him, thy brother is come and thy father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in and Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. And yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as your son was come, which has devoured your living with harlots, you have killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry, and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Now notice the elder son. Resentful, jealous. He said, Your son, not my brother. He was disrespectful. Rejected the father's love. And the father loved both of them. And the father tried to reason with him. And he reminded them both of the family and the opportunity and the inheritance that was there. And that the elder son had all of that with him. He could share all of that. But the elder son, he didn't appreciate that. He, he refused and he rejected it. And... Not only this, he was a false accuser because how did he know uh, that the younger son spent all of his money on harlots? He didn't know that. He he lied or or he misrepresented and he was hateful and unrepentant. But we don't know the rest of the story. We don't know how long this continued. We don't know the final status of that son. We just see a bad picture presented to us of him, one that... You know, we want to avoid. Now, some points in presenting the parables, uh, and these two parables are uh, several things that are listed here and I've written down. Number one, Jesus was talking to people in his time, to the Jews and others that were represented. Now, we can go back to Matthew 21st chapter. Let's go back to Matthew 21 and uh, get back there now I didn't uh, cover all of this uh, with uh, notes to uh, Brian for passages but uh, back in verse 23 when he was uh, come into the temple the chief priest the elders of the people came into him and asked him challenged him said by what authority do you do these things that you're doing and saying. By what authority? And Jesus said, well, uh, I'm going to give you uh, a question, and how you answer it is how I'll answer it. The baptism of John, was it from God, or was it from the John the Baptist? Was it from man? And they said, well, we can't answer that. And Jesus said, notice this, verse 27. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. So he was answering another question that was presented. They were challenging him in what he was doing and what he was saying. And that's why he led into this parable in verse 28. He said, well, what do you think? But what do you think about this situation? Obviously, he had them in mind And in verse 45 it says, And when the chief priests and Pharisees, this is some more continuation of uh, their parables here, had heard uh, his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. And so uh, he contrasted these different categories of the people that were uh, there addressing him with this parable and the notice here again I I can't say this enough he brings emphasis about the father expresses his love and his forgiveness and his welcome and his restoration and his joy and his sharing and his giving of to these various two different sons that are presented here also now this is where we have to pay attention these parables that Jesus spoke nearly 2,000 years ago are meant for us today and for all Christians down through the ages. So we can learn a few things from the points of these parables that are presented here. It is, uh, stay with God. Don't leave. Don't go back out into the world. Obey Him now. Don't depart into sin. Don't leave Him. Obey. Whatever He says, do. Do. Say, yes, Lord. Be willing, Respectfully. Don't just say and do. You know, that's that's another phrase that uh, people use, uh, you know, of of describing people who uh, say but don't do. So, if we find ourselves in a situation of uh, adversarial relationship, disobedient, a bad attitude, whatever, we need to change, we need to repent, we need to get back, we need to walk back with God, and then... We can expect from him love and forgiveness and restoration and blessings. So, let's be the good son, as is presented in these two parables. Now and in the future. Now, uh, we have some time left. So, I'm going to uh, cover a couple of other things here that... um, I want to uh, present today while I'm while I'm up here, because we have some time, and I knew this would be a sh- kind of a short message, uh, Rich said was, his first message would be short, so uh, I was prepared also for a short, short message, so I added a couple of things at the end. Now, uh, I'd like us to consider two letters that we just recently received to CGM, and I'm not going to mention any names or whatever, but uh, uh, persons uh, that sent these letters, the first one was uh, confused about uh, the two births of Jesus. Uh, When it says the scriptures, and I'm not going to go through all those references, it talks about making Jesus the Son of God in the two references. To Jesus, the many different times of when He was uh, the Son of God, when He was made the Son of God, and then the second person asked a question about uh, because these are these are kind of related here about how soon after baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit should a person speak in tongues. Now, this uh, is uh, a question that has been covered a number of times. Like I said, in a very basic, but uh, the first uh, question that we could answer if uh, if any of you have studied and this person had and was mentioning that they had just started studying the eighth uh, number of the correspondence course, which is, why were you born? And so the second one needs to read the article on the tongues and uh, uh, distribution of the uh, gift of God's spirit. So... We're going to take uh, first, the uh, first question here is uh, about Jesus' birth and a couple of scriptures that are mentioned are Luke 1.35 and Romans 1.3.4. Now, uh, we know, familiar with the first uh, reference in Luke when the Holy Spirit was uh, given uh, on Mary, uh, the angel announced that, uh, well, let's just, let's just. Read that. that. That might be good. Luke 1 35. And uh, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit came on Mary, and uh, conception took place. And I'm not going to describe uh, what took place here, but uh, verse 35 And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And so Jesus' birth was to be a physical birth and he was to be the Son of God. We know from many scriptures he was the first begotten, he was the firstborn, he was the the first one who... Originally he was God with the Father, he was God the creator, the God of the Old Testament. But he became physical, a human being, by having Mary be his mother and Joseph his stepfather. And the father was God, and so I'm not going to describe uh, medically and uh, how that all took place. But the second uh, reference uh, that uh, she mentioned was in Romans, and let's read that, Romans 1, verse uh, 3 and 4. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, okay, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now notice, uh, this person confused a little bit uh, about uh, identifying Jesus as the Son of God by the uh, resurrection from the dead. Now notice, uh, when we look very carefully at this, what it's uh, declaring. That Jesus, who was fleshly, physically born, the Son of God, in the flesh, and he said, I am God, and he was told, and many times throughout his life, he was identified as the Son of God, and of God. And uh, we're told in the scriptures, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so notice here in verse 4. Declared to be the Son of God with power. Okay. Which more power now that he would have than when he was in the flesh. When he was in the flesh he would be limited to one on one or a few or maybe a multitude. He could have influence. But now, notice, by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Now, Jesus was the Son of God in the flesh. He died, or was killed, whichever way we want to say, was buried three days and three nights, was resurrected. So he was born again. Now he is spirit, able to manifest himself as a fleshly, physical human being again, but born of the Spirit. So now he has power and influence that he can reach out through the Spirit to billions of people. Which he couldn't do before. Down through the ages. He has power over uh, a couple of thousand years since his uh, physical resurrection to the spirit. And when I say physical resurrection, I meant the change of his physical body into a spirit body. And so, as she progresses, or this writer of the letter, through the eighth uh, lesson, what it means to be born of God, hopefully this will become a more plain and clear to her and uh, she'll better understand what it means to uh, have the uh, two human births. Now, speaking in tongues, um, without going into a lot of the references there, you know, uh, the, the gift is given by the giver. The giver gives a gift and the receiver hopefully appreciates that, respects it, uses it right. How many like to give a gift and then find out the person didn't appreciate it, they threw it off, they discarded it, they rejected it, they trampled on it, they didn't account it worth anything? So remember, the person that we are, we don't ask, well, give me a gift. It's a special time here. I want a gift. This is what I want. No. We accept, and we appreciate, and we use whatever is given to us. Now, maybe it won't be as useful as uh, we would have liked or we would have wanted, but uh, we still appreciate and uh, uh, accept that gift in the attitude that is given to us. Okay. Now, we know, without expanding a lot on this, that tongues is not after baptism, uh, a babbling, a childish talk, it's not a gibberish, but it's a definite language. And if you go look at the Greek and look at the uh, words for language and for tongues, you'll see that it's a definite language that a person has. And so God gives that gift when it's needed and respected and can be used to advance his kingdom. Now, everyone doesn't speak in tongues after baptism, right? Right? Everyone doesn't go into this running around the church building and praising and going into an unknown. An unknown. An unknown. The word unknown, we know, is added and uh, is in italics and if you've got a King James Bible, you'll see that it's talking about the unknown in italics, an unknown, unknown language, which it is. Many times a person cannot understand that language or that tongue, but God supernaturally and this is Old Testament scriptures where he said that with other tongues and other uh, lips that he would uh, present the gospel and we know that throughout many nations many people are able to understand and so they have to uh, sometimes convert the truth into their language that they can understand. Everybody doesn't understand English everybody doesn't understand Greek or Hebrew but uh, I've told this before and I'm just going to uh, uh, relate this once Um, Pastor Saunders with the Church of God, uh, British Columbia, Church of God Seventh Day, uh, was speaking and uh, he was explaining about, on one of his evangelistic uh, uh, meetings that he was traveling in South America, he hired a Baptist preacher that, uh, since he couldn't speak Spanish, but would interpret, and he would preach and then the Baptist preacher would interpret into Spanish and uh, the congregation would hear and understand. And he told me later, he said uh, that uh, the Baptist preacher told him, uh, Pastor, he said, you know, it's a strange thing, but when you were preaching, he said, I understood words and concepts that I'd never learned before. And I was able to talk to the people and tell them that wonderful truth. And so, to me, that was uh, just one possibly... uh, Outpouring of God's spirit in presenting the truth in a language that Pastor Saunders hadn't learned but the interpreter that was interpreting was able to communicate in a way that he hadn't learned before in a language that he had. So was God supernaturally giving him the gift of interpretation? Was he giving him the gift of tongues to be able to speak? I don't know. God will answer that in the future. But it seems to be more realistic, doesn't it, and more practical and helpful to be able to know that God is able to help a person speak a language or understand a language that they haven't previously learned. Now, we don't don't see a lot of that in today's uh, miraculous uh, outpouring of God's Spirit today, do we? Because it's God, it's not us that says, I want the gift of tongues. I want, to, I want the gift of interpretation. I want to do this. No, it's God that says, hey, I'm going to give this. You can do it. Now, most of the planet today can speak English. Now, there are a few that are in their own languages, and they can, uh, it can be interpreted into their language, and they can understand. But a lot of folks can understand English. And so there is not as much of a need. If you've got a certain screwdriver, You don't need, our song leader is supposed to start saying, everyone, turn off your cell phones during the services. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. What was I thinking about? Uh, A screwdriver. Okay. Lost my train of thought. Oh, well. uh, I'll tell you what. Let's just conclude at that. And... uh, Our song leader can come back up and uh, lead us in a couple of songs. So I'll just say this, brethren, let's be a good son of God now and in the future. And remember the points and many things that I left out of these two parables that Jesus used.